They may not be facing the fear of physical persecution. Some have a real fear of losing freedoms. Some, if not all of us, have struggles. And if I can say it like this, we do know the feeling we get during uncertain times, during those times of uncertainty. But church, through all of that, we have this confidence in God who has started a good work in us and will complete it. And so I stand before you today to implore you this, do not depart. For one to keep from departing from Jesus, one must merely keep going toward Jesus. And I say merely because sometimes it may be all you can do to put one foot in front of the other. It may be all you can do to lift that foot off the ground and take that step forward. It may be all you can do to open the Word and read just one verse. It may be all you can do to pray just a very simple prayer. It may be all you can do to just whisper the name Jesus and call on Him. But again, to not depart, one must keep going. One must keep pushing. One must keep pursuing. One must hold on to the promise that since God has begun something in you, He will complete it. But while God has begun a great work in you, it's no time to stand there with your hands in your pockets. It's no time to say, well, I'm just not good enough for God. It's no time to say, well, maybe next time I'll hop on that boat with God. It's no time to say, well, maybe I'll step out on the water when he reaches for me next time. It's no time to just stand still. Some of you may be here today and feel like you are at a standstill with God. Some of you, or some have referred to this feeling as a spiritual winter. But what happens in the winter? Things begin to freeze. All vegetation of all sorts begins to die. Trees begin to go dormant. The once abundant tree that may have produced good fruit is stripped of every leaf and fruit. In this spiritual winter that you may be experiencing at this very moment, where you may not feel or see God working, that confidence begins to fade because of what we can't see or maybe what we can't feel. It fades because of what we can't hear. It fades because we see no movement. We see no growth. But listen here, just because you can't see anything working or growing in this spiritual winter does not mean that God is not doing anything through you or for you. Just because you feel like you've been stripped of everything does not mean that God does not have a great thing in store for you. What's happening underground or under the snow that seems to coat everything is growth. There is growth in your faith, but only if you keep going. There is growth in your trust, but only if you keep going. And I say there is growth in your endurance, but only if you keep going. Take, for instance, Abraham, who heard from God to get thee out, who left everything that he knew, took some family with him, and set out to find a new land. If you know a little bit about Abraham, you know that Abraham really had to walk by faith and not by sight. Because what was set out before him was not some fully established home front. 
Abraham had his struggles along the way, lying about his wife being his sister and, and doubting that God would keep him through it all. In fact, along the way, he would build these altars and God wouldn't respond because Abraham wasn't walking as God intended him to. But it wasn't until Abraham completely submitted that God responded. For Abraham to see this come to pass, the promise that God had for him, Abraham had to keep going in that promise. God being the promise keeper, simply enough, kept his promise. And then we see Joseph, who was a dreamer, having dreams of these great things and interpreting dreams of others as well. At one point, Joseph was betrayed by his jealous brothers. He was sold into slavery, then taken and thrown into prison, still remembering and holding on to the promise that God had given him. He was lifted up for a while, then lied about and cast back into the prison, yet his faith never seemed to dwindle. Joseph just kept going. Joseph kept seeking God. And finally, Joseph was lifted up again. And all the while, Joseph held on to the promise of God that he would finish what he started. And as you can read, God did finish. And what was in, what's interesting about this is what Joseph revealed to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, saying, But as for you, talking to his brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. O oh, church, may we be like Joseph, who, the, who through the most trying times stood with the faith, not departing from his promise. It's not easy. It can't be easy. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it all in the end. And on the other end, you can stomp on the enemy and say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Go ahead and say that. What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. Huh. But again, we must keep going. And finally, I want to mention Rahab, who also kept going. Rahab's story was a little different in that she was known as a prostitute in Jericho. But when the time came for her to be visited by two spies, she willingly did so, even though she may not have known the outcome of it all. Rahab was faced with a moment of truth and, like the spies, defies the Jericho rulers and rescues the Israelites. In turn, Rahab's life and her family's life were spared. Rahab was stuck between two choices. She was already somewhat frowned upon by all of Jericho. But Jericho had problems of their own. They were about to be destroyed. Rahab, in her willingness to help, was spared her life. Once she was made aware and trusted in the plan, she stayed with it. She lived. Through these examples and more, we see the trying of the faith by each, and each in their own way. I'm thankful, as I can imagine you are also of these examples of faith and trust in the promises that God both starts and completes. But I want to shift back a gear or two for the next few minutes, and I want to reveal some struggles that I have found, as well as those that some of you may have experienced in trusting in these promises of God. And these are all things that you may be experiencing at this very moment 
But I want to say that if you find yourself in the middle of any of these, number one, you are not alone in your struggle. Number two, you do not have to walk in this struggle alone. And number three, you can make it through. God is with you now and will see you through. Even with this confidence, one may find themselves continuing or combating with thoughts such as feeling forgotten, feeling insignificant, or even feeling condemned. When feeling forgotten, you may ask, if God loves me, then why did he allow me to go through this terrible circumstance? Or if God loves me, why did he cause this to happen to me? The reality of this is that as a result of the things we experience and the trials that we go through, we can and sometimes do become distrustful and our faith falters. It becomes shaky. Also, we may not realize it, but with this, we hold God accountable for something we don't think he should have allowed to happen to us by saying, why, God? Why did you let this happen to me? How could you? This, in turn, leads to a held grudge against God. In my walk with God, there have been times in my life where I have wondered the same thing. Where I've caught myself thinking, if only this would have gone this way. Or, why did this happen this way? And I can feel myself spiraling into a funnel of negative thinking and demolishing thoughts. You see, it, is, it was only after I came up out of the other side of some of these things that I understood the purpose of that, the purpose of what God was doing. Remember what I said, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be something that I might enjoy, but God had a purpose and a plan for that. I stand amazed sometimes at the end of a battle that I may have faced, and sometimes just shake my head at myself, thinking, oh, Trevor... What were you thinking right there? But I was looking at things from my limited human perspective. You see, God's perspective on things and our fleshly perspective are very different. For God's perspective is eternal. I can only physically see a few steps in front of me. I can only see to the back of this room. When I come out of this room, I can only see to the end of the parking lot. While we are limited to time and space and what we can see before us, God is above and beyond that. He sees everything from every conceivable angle all at once. He knows where some improvements are needed. He knows where you have to be a little stronger, a little bolder, or a little more courageous. He sees the places where you're in danger of falling. And since God, know, who sees all and knows all, can see these things and still reaches, this helps you and I have a better understanding and pray for God to give us His perspective on things. Not that we want to take His place, but that a greater leaning away from our understanding and toward His understanding would come of it. How many of you have looked back at something you struggled with and saw where God brought you through and, and think, I get it now. Church, there may be times where we feel God is giving us more than we can bear. But may we hold on to what Paul writes. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And while it may feel like more than you can bear, the truth is is that it is more than you can bear alone. If you feel forgotten, remember that you are not alone And God does not give you more than you can bear with him. Jesus has not and will not forget you as you walk with him. He is faithful and has not forgotten you, no matter how forgotten you may feel. The second thought that is sometimes we feel insignificant. You may ask, who am I? What do I have to offer? You may think, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have much talent to be used, to be honest. We take a step back and say, well, I don't know if that's for me. Well, if that's you, you're in good company. Look at Jeremiah who felt the same way. In Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah responded to God's call by saying, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. (laughs) Be not afraid of their faces. Excuse me. Um, I, I lost my place. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And verse 10, See, I have have this day set over you the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And just one verse prior before this passage in verse 5, if you have your Bibles, God reminds Jeremiah of what? Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. When God called him, Jeremiah downplayed his abilities. Can I tell someone here today who may be struggling with insignificance that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Some things God has given you, you may not even be aware of yet. When you see the TCOO vision and theme for this year, all are called, that is an all-encompassing of all people, all people including you. And let me tell somebody that it is a trap of the enemy to say things like, I'm insignificant, I have nothing to offer, or what good could I do? Because the enemy wants nothing more than for you to sit back and think these things. He wants nothing more than for you to sit back and relish in these thoughts of self-doubt and self-pity saying, wow, I really am worthless. But can I tell somebody that if you find yourself there to remember the parable of the talents and hear me, Because remember, the two that used their talents and abilities for the master were rewarded. But the one who buried his talent because of fear and did nothing was punished. Church, all of us have been given talents. Do not bury that which God has given you. Use them for his glory. And I'm not going to stand up here and give you all the areas that God can use you. That's not why I'm here. Because I can already feel in my spirit that God has been dealing with some of you on a ministry that has yet to be brought because of fear. 
Because of fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of what it will take, of what, will, what it will cost me. But church, replace these fears with faith. Somebody say faith. Faith that God is with you. Faith that what God has started, he will complete. He will finish. I know that we are in this first half of service, but I wonder if we can just take a moment and thank God for the gifts that he has given us to use for his kingdom. Go ahead and thank him right now. Say, Lord, I thank you for what you're using me for, for what you're going to use me for. Lord, I know you have a perfect plan for my life. I choose to follow it. I'm not going to depart from it. Come on, somebody. Even if you can't see it yet, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Walk in it. Keep going. Do not depart from this promise that God has given you. Because again, he will bring it to pass. But it's going to take you walking in it. It's going to take you, again, walking in it. It's going to take you overcoming those destructive thoughts of doubt. I know this may go without saying, but I want to encourage you to give the Lord the benefit of the doubt. Because remember, it's not him that brings the doubts to your mind. It is Jesus, however, that brings things to light that you need to change. It is Jesus who desires you to keep digging into his word so that he can reveal more to you. It is Jesus that wants, to spend more, that wants you to spend more time in devotion and prayer with him. It is Jesus who has called you and chosen you for such a time as this. And as I was preparing for this, I just couldn't help but think of, again, all of the distractions that we see all around us that try to deter us from the plan that God has for our life. I don't know what that distraction may be for you, but if you find yourself distracted with something over here, when God is pulling this way, it's time for you to turn around and head back toward that plan and promise that God has for you. God is pulling for you to come. He's pulling for you to get away from those things. He's pulling for you because he says, I have a plan for you and what I have started I will complete but you've got to walk in it <laughs> hallelujah you know I don't consider myself to be much of a handyman but I'm thankful for those who have taken the time to explain things to me that I did not understand beforehand but there have been times where I have started a small project and then life gets busy. Uh, I would start another project, and then life gets busy. I would start yet again another project. These would add up to like four, five, six, maybe ten. But then life got busy. My wife is not here to plead her case, but if she were, I would be found guilty on all counts. <laughs> so here I am with a bunch of half-done projects. And when I sit there and relax at the end of the day, you know what's just eating at my mind? Those projects. You know what happens when I complete those projects? I feel a major sense of relief. And I think you know, I think you know that feeling of, whew, I'm glad that's done. And the feeling you have after you're finished, and you look at it, and, and it looks great. It's, it's finally complete. Well, church, I believe the same is true in answering the call of God. When we don't answer, I think it's something that just kind of eats away at us until we do. And when we do, there is this sense of, I am so glad that I answered the call. I am so glad that I did this. In moving forward to the last struggle of feeling condemned, 
With this you may be asking, how could God forgive me for that terrible thing I did? After all, I should be a mature believer. I know better. I let my family down. I let God down and he won't forgive me. In these thought, it's these thoughts that cause one's to, cause, causes one to walk in guilt and condemnation. All might look fine on the outside. One may still smile and raise their hands and worship and do all of the things that they know how to do. But it's what is on the inside that is weighing them down with condemnation and guilt. When we read the word, God really just tells it like it is. And how many of you are thankful for that? Amen. What's more, the Bible is not replete with perfect people who have no struggles who live these perfect lives. We get to see everybody, sins and all. One person in particular is Peter. How do you think he felt after, den- felt after denying Jesus three times? What must have made it even worse for Peter was that he turned away from Jesus at the moment when Jesus needed him the most. And remember when Jesus told Peter that he would deny him, the apostle was quick to give a rebuttal saying, I'm ready to go with you even unto prison and death. It's no wonder that Peter wept bitterly after the rooster crowed when he realized that what Jesus said would come to pass. But despite this, God used Peter and gave Peter the keys to the kingdom saying, whatever you bind here will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose here will be loosed in heaven. It was Peter's powerful sermon on that day of Pentecost that pricked the hearts and the masses. It was the very birth of the church. But on the flip side, a few seats down, remember Judas, who would betray Jesus. Jesus called that one as well. But the difference between Judas and Peter was that Peter experienced godly sorrow that inclined him and pricked his heart to turn back to Jesus. Judas did not. He sat there drowning with a little bit of opportunity to just make a little bit of money. He sat around Jesus when Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Yet he continued with it, knowing that it was him. And when I think about this, and I think about these, these people in the Bible that we read about, I try to put myself in their shoes so I can kind of live this out myself, per se. And I put myself in the, Judas, in, in the shoes of Judas, who was just sitting there hearing Jesus say this, one of you is going to betray me. How would I feel if Jesus just called me out? Would I just stay quiet if I knew he were talking about me? Someone say God is merciful. What does merciful mean? Well, if you sound it out real slow, it reads mercy and full. In other words, and this is kind of what gets my gears turning a bit, because God is full of mercy. You see, if Judas, and I'm not trying to rewrite scripture, but if Judas would have spoken up and said, ah, that's me, wait a minute, I don't want that to happen. God in his mercy... Wouldn't, wouldn't have let it. But it came to pass because, number one, Judas did, had, a, had an unforgiving heart or he had an unrepentant heart, right? So he continued in his way and Jesus knew it and Judas walked in this the whole time and as you know, he, he hung himself in the end because of all these thoughts that he was troubling with. But can I tell somebody that even if you feel condemned or if you feel called out, per se, God is full of mercy And that means that there is enough for you. There's enough for me. And let me just remind you that what we find in the word about this condemnation, 
Put your seatbelts on. Here we go. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, Paul writes that in order for there to be no condemnation, one must walk after the Spirit. I don't know about you. Well, I'd like to think I know. But I would rather walk after the Spirit than follow my fleshly desires. I know my own flesh without God, and it's not good. I think I'm in good company when I say that there is nothing good about the flesh without the Spirit. (laughs) Why walk after the Spirit? Because in His Spirit and through His Spirit and by His Spirit, there is no condemnation and there is everlasting life. And you may know this, but in case you didn't, and it's, it's not just for you. It's for your family. It's for your children. It's for the generations to come. It is for everyone. I'm so thankful that God loves us so much that He came down in flesh, robed Himself in flesh, took our place on the cross, a ransom for our sins, so that we could live in this freedom. Hallelujah. And go with me to John chapter 3, verse 17. He said, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believes in Him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Oh, church, belief is where the journey with Jesus begins. But it doesn't just end with saying, I believe. As Bishop mentioned this past Wednesday about those who accept Jesus into their hearts. No, no, we've got to have the complete salvation plan. It starts with belief saying, I believe. I'm turning away, but it doesn't end there. And if I can go diving into that baptismal over there and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with His Spirit, and that's not even where it ends because then you've got to walk in this new life. You've got to walk according to the Word. You've got to walk according to His plan for you. And that's where His plan begins. No, it's not just where it ends. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Ah, There's these steps that we must take away. Take that go away from the mortal flesh and toward Jesus. Where we walk not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Someone say there's freedom. Ah, only by and through Jesus in the flesh there is mere bondage and sometimes that forms itself into self-condemnation. Oh, when John talks about our heart and the condemnation thereof, 1 John 3, 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and He knows all things. God is greater than our heart. Take hope in that. You may be beating yourself up about something, but take heart. God knows all things. And I'm not saying that if you messed up that you shouldn't feel conviction for that. I'm not saying that there should not be any godly sorrow for sins committed. But it's after that repentance and turning toward God, turning your heart toward God. Yes, the flesh brings condemnation. But remember, God thinks greater of you than of your past. He sees what is yet to come. Remember that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He does not hold that against you as you repent from them and turn toward Him. Remember that it's washed in the blood. He looked past the sin of the woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8 verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up Himself and saw none but the woman, He said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has not man condemned you? 
She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Oh, church, as you seek forgiveness and as God leads you to go and sin no more, yet again, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And church, if you ask God to forgive you and you repent and turn from where you were, he will forgive. And as you keep living for him, striving to live a life that is pleasing to God and sinning no more, he will keep you. Remember that if you fall, so did the just man. Get back up again. But we read of a warning that John writes in 1 John 5. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if, the, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But John just doesn't, doesn't just stop with the warning because a couple verses later he writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord knows your heart. He knows our hearts. He can see beyond what is on the surface. If you find yourself living a life opposite of what you profess, then it would do you good to confess that to Jesus. The accuser of the brethren will continue to try to hold that you of the past over your head. But Jesus sees you and your future and wants you to be a part of his prophetic plan. Paul reaffirms this in 2 Corinthians 5, which is one of many places declaring, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old things are gone away since you are a new creature. The old things can no longer stay as you stay with Jesus. The new takes over and the old is gone away. And I want you to notice something because this is where it all comes to a point like the helm of a ship. This is where it all comes together. Raise your hand if you notice the theme in all these verses. <laughs> what do they all have in common? What is the common denominator in each of these? Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know if you are. I said, are you ready? It's Jesus. Come on. <laughs> it's Jesus. Church, understand this and take it to heart. Do not depart from Jesus. No matter what you do, do not depart from His light. Refuse to walk in darkness. Darkness can take on many forms, but two has a common denominator, and that's the lack of Jesus. Do not depart from His light. Make sure His Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. Make sure that you hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Oh, church, the promises of Jesus are real. They are here and they are for you. Jesus' greatest promise of all is eternal life with Him. As you turn away from those things of the world, as you seek Him daily with your whole heart, as you pray to Jesus saying, more of you and less of me. Sometimes we have these struggles in the world that we just want to hold on to, but like I just did, sometimes we've got to take those things off and start walking toward Him. Sometimes we've got to remove ourselves of some things and just start walking toward Him. Why? Because if we don't, those things are still going to try to hold on to us, and I may sound like a broken record here for a moment, but it's time that you turn yourself away from those things and walk toward Jesus. He will take you where you're at. He will take you where he wants to go with you. Somebody say amen. 
Come on, can we just give him some praise for a moment? I don't want you to deter from his plan. Staying with Jesus will be the best decision you will ever make. Don't ever think for a moment that Jesus does not desire you, that he does not care, that he cannot pull you from where you came from. Uh, I'm reminded of the prodigal son who was, who was swimming with the pigs, who, was, who, who took all this money with him, took all this inheritance with him. I don't know if it was money, but he took all this inheritance with him. And he was like, oh, I'm going to live this great life. But then he ended up with the pigs. But it's when he came running back to the father. Some of you have been dancing with the pigs over here for too long. <laughs> but it's time that you turn from that. I'm telling you right now. You see, because he's going to make you new. He makes old things new. He makes all things new. He'll wash that off of you. So you'll be cleansed. You'll be cleaned. You'll be purified. But only by him. You see, the road may get rough. But you can make it through. That road to Jesus is the straight and narrow. And in order to stay on that straight and narrow, sometimes you've got to put some spiritual blinders on and say, I'm going to focus on you and you alone. So I wonder if for the next few moments, if we can all stand all over this place and just fill this room with praise. Fill this room with prayer. Say, Jesus, I need more of you. I need more of you. I want less of me. More of you is what I need. More of you is what I desire. I need you, Lord. Take over it, oh God. I give this all to you. Come on, somebody. Go ahead and dig deeper for a moment. Go ahead and dig deeper. Let him search the very depths of your heart. If just for a moment, say, Jesus, search me, oh God. Oh, whatever you find, Lord, I want to give to you. Whatever you find, Lord, I submit to you and your will for my life. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can just praise him. Praise him for a moment. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you, Lord, that you have not departed from me. I do not want to depart from you. I will stay on the path that you have for me. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Come on, fill this room with praise just for a moment. Say hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout glory. Oh, come on, he's great and greatly to be praised. He's never left you. He never will leave you. He never will forsake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The plan may not be easy, but it's his plan for you. And he is with you always. Somebody say he's with me. Always. At all times. He's never left you. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can just clap our hands to the Lord again. Ah, yes. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you all. Be back in 10 minutes. We're going to take a short break here. Uh, be back in 10 minutes for the start of our, our second half. Amen.